So it is a bright cold winter morning. I'm at a business park a few miles outside Stafford. I am here to visit a company called 3P Logistics and I am clutching in my hand a brightly coloured Christmas shoebox. What's the weirdest thing you've ever found in a shoebox? <laughs> um, Heinz ready meals, toddler ready meals. Oh. Three ready meals with a spoon and a bib. I found two garden stones. Two tubes of nipple cream. And that is why Christmas shoeboxes have to be checked before they leave the country. Hello and welcome to this week's Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. This week we're going to be looking at a couple of different Christmas uh, enterprises. First, as you'll have gathered, I paid a visit to a warehouse where they process some of the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. And later on in the podcast, I'll be talking to Helen Buckley, children's worker and author of several uh, Christmas and Easter books for toddlers. But first, back to that warehouse. I started off by talking to Ron. Ron and his wife Amy started coming to my church in Stafford a couple of years ago. And as uh, Ron will tell you, that led to their involvement in the Operation Christmas Child project. This is your warehouse, Ron. It is. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. And I can see it's full of stuff. Most of this stuff is not Christmas shoeboxes, no, is it? No, it's not. What no. kind of stuff do you have in here most of the time? So this is mainly parts for JCB, Caterpillar, Cummins engines. Okay. Um, most of it comes from places like India, South Korea. I see. And, and then you ship it onto the factories? Yeah, they ship it into us, we store it, and then we feed it in just in time when the factory's needed. Okay. It's quite vast, isn't it? Yeah. We... You've got quite a lot of... 15,000 15, square foot. Wow, and okay. And we've got in the region of 1,500 part numbers. Okay, and do you know, you know where they all are? We do, On yes. which shelf and yeah. which thing? It's like Ikea, isn't it, but better? It, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ron, we're just going to look at what's happening in this one little corner of the warehouse today. Now, you've got a whole lot of people doing stuff. Do you normally have lots of people in here? We don't. Uh, it's normally... November time. This this area here is Operation Christmas Child. Right. Where we're yes. receiving all the shoe boxes. From I can see the northwest. All the ones from the northwest. Okay. So that's what I was going to ask you: is shoe boxes. How do they get here? So a lot of churches and schools and local communities pack the shoe boxes. Yep. And then drop them off at a drop-off centre or. Okay. So you somebody... have sort of local collection hubs yeah, yeah. sort of around the place and there's also someone who goes around and collects in a in a van oh wow usually the bigger quantities something something like 50 to 100 okay they'll, they'll so if you've collect. collected like your brownie group has collected a whole lot but you don't have a way of taking them yeah, to the drop-off point they would come they and get come them and collect. oh that's fabulous and then they drop off here probably every couple of days okay and and how many I'm just looking around trying to estimate. How many do you expect to process in, in sort of November and December, Ron? So last year we did just over 8,000. Okay. And we're expecting to do a similar number, hopefully a few more this year. Okay, at wow. The, at the moment we've already packed 
5,600. Okay, so I, I will put some of these pictures that I've taken on the website. There are sort of big cardboard boxes, yeah. which you've put shoe boxes into those. Yeah. And you just do that, they just come in, you just put them in the boxes, take them up. What are all these people doing over here? So when, they, when the boxes come in, we have to check to, make, to see what's inside. Right. So certain things we're not allowed to, to yeah. send. Chocolate, for example. Yeah, just because it, it melts and it's makes horrible. a mess of everything. Yes. Certain things like uh, cards, you know, yeah. gambling games are yeah. not allowed. And also things like toy guns and tanks. Yeah, so things that you might give to your own children or grandchildren yeah. on Christmas, but actually because of where they're going, it, yeah. it's not okay. Yeah. And um, something else, so people are checking what's in there. There also seems to be a whole load of kind of piles of stuff. Is it, I mean, it looks like to me like Mike's just packing his own shoebox. He hasn't bothered to buy anything. He's just come in. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> so there's lots of people uh, knitting things like hats and yeah. scarves. And we have uh, toothpaste and toothbrushes and lots of other you know, pens and pencils. So things that sort of come in in, yeah. in bulk almost. So, yeah, yeah, so we, we have lots of uh, extra things we can put in. So if there's space in the shoebox and okay. you know, some things are missing, then we'll add a few things. I see. You know, toothpaste, toothbrushes, that kind of thing. I see. So if people haven't been able to get something from everything on the yeah. list or all different kinds of things, you can, you can make that up here. That's brilliant. And... Um, so, Ron, just tell me, I mean, this is obviously quite fun. I mean, it looks quite fun to me. People are making cups of tea and wearing their Christmas jumpers. And, you know, and you said you don't normally have many people around. Why do you choose to have the Operation Christmas Charlie? I mean, it, it, you know, it's a certain amount of cost in terms of time and space and, and so on. Why, why do you do it? Well, I think it's a fantastic project, actually. I, I only found out about it a couple of years ago. Okay. I had a look at the website and I thought, that's fantastic. And, you know, we had some space here and we had some time. So, you know, I offered our services and uh, Operation Christmas Child were, were pleased, yeah. uh, you know, to, uh, to use this space. I mean, obviously you have facilities, which lots of us don't have, to yeah. be able to cope yeah. with this kind of thing. And you said you heard about it a couple of years ago. Was that when you started coming to church? It was, yeah. I heard it through Castle Church, uh, where there was a call for the, to get your shoe boxes prepared. And, uh, and I didn't really know what the project was. And I, I went home from the, the service, had a look on their website. Yeah. And thought that was a great project. So yeah. I wrote a letter the same afternoon and sent oh, it off. Oh, brilliant! That's and, so exciting. Uh, so I mean, for most of us, it's just kind of a little bit fun going and buying a few extra toys. But you just thought, oh, well, I can contribute yeah. in a bigger way. Yeah. And so tell us, what happens to the shoe boxes when you've packed them into the boxes here? They get picked up, presumably. So we we store them in the corner. Yeah. Uh, in boxes of sort of ten or twelve. Yeah. And. Uh, when we've gone through the whole process, so it's usually sort of first week of December, uh, the Operation Christmas Child will arrange for a truck to come here. Right. And then we load them in the truck and it's shipped directly from here to, to wherever it's going. So, okay, so this is the sort of last packing yeah. point before it ends yeah. up somewhere. Yeah. And, and your boxes from here, do you know where they go, where they went so last, last year? last year they went to Macedonia. Oh, wow. Uh, so Find that on a map. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we filled the truck completely full. Wonderful. And they drove straight from here over, over to Macedonia. That's amazing. Everybody came in on a, on a night time. I think it was a Friday night. And 
they brought cakes and sandwiches and we had a little bit of a party oh, as, we, as we packed the truck and it fabulous. was fantastic. Fabulous. And then, I mean, you just sort of imagine that's 8,000 children at the other end being given one of these boxes and hopefully it has stuff in that they will really enjoy and stuff in that they need that they might not otherwise have. And, you know, it is a Christian charity, but we're not, we don't put sort of Christian things in the boxes. So do you know how that sort of works at the other end a bit? No, they, they don't. There's nothing added. There's a yeah. misconception we're putting leaflets and things like yeah. that in. There's nothing added to the boxes. Uh, they're distributed without condition to the, yeah. to the children. So it could be, you know, Muslim children yeah. or children yeah. of all kinds of uh, backgrounds and faiths who are getting these. Yeah. And, you know, that, that may lead to an opportunity, you know, to talk to them further but you know it's given without condition yeah. without you know without yeah. any messages inside the box yeah so it's primarily it's just an act of generosity it is, isn't yes. it and yeah. an act of love saying you know somebody cares about you and we want you to have something special this christmas fantastic i'm maybe just going to go and grab one or two of these volunteers and get them to tell me a little bit about it. they're coming past with the tea right now so i don't want to get in the way of that because i think this whole operation is probably fueled by tea by tea yes it is <laughs> great thanks so much for talking to us ron thank you so over at the volunteers table everyone told me that i needed to speak to brenda who was responsible for getting most of them there ian taylor who is the uh, who is the regional manager of this area yes. for Operation Christmas Child. He held a meeting. Ron, Adam, who again worked as a volunteer for OCC and goes round the schools getting lots of the boxes. They held a meeting and there wasn't many there. And Ron had offered the warehouse in this area. And I was kind of the one who and I lost it. If I'm honest, I lost it and thought, I can't do this. I cannot do this. But God had other ideas because the next morning I had a reading, which was like Moses sent someone else. Yeah. But that reading really spoke to me that God had said, you are the person and I will train you on the job. Brilliant. And Terrifying, was, but brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I trusted God that yeah. God had called me and I was in the right place. And then Yeah, and so you feel confident that between you, you're going to get finished in time well, we did this it year? last year. Yeah, Ron's we'll had a little again. party at the end. Yes. Wonderful. And the other thing as well is this year, for the first time, we are doing Shoebox World. Okay, Shoebox tell me about that. Shoebox Online in February. So people can go online and decide what they want to go in a box they do a click virtual but obviously it's got to go into boxes at some point the stuff has got to arrive and be packed and so all of that. operation christmas child gets a, a toy company harrison's i think it is to come with all all that we need here yeah. it's delivered and we need groups of people to then put, have the computer readout the five essential items go in the box yes and then you go along and you put in what somebody wants in that box lovely and then they sent straight out to moldova so, so shoebox world online makes it very easy if like me you're a bit disorganized and forget to go around doing all your bits of shopping you can just go online click on the items pay one uh, with your card online and it's all done. But obviously then that makes a bit more work for people like Brenda and her team 
in the warehouse. She tells me that they can do it in February half term so they get well ahead and the boxes uh, can be sent whenever they're ready. If you are doing that online shopping or indeed if you're doing the traditional offline shoebox next year, you might be interested to know which kind of shoeboxes they need more of. Do you find that you get more boxes for little girls than anything? Yes, five to nines. Five, five to nines? To nines yes. that is, Boys um, and girls. It's quite yeah. fun at that age, isn't it? You can right. get some really cute little things. Yes, it's a lot easier to sort of think of the middle range than it is, yeah. the bottom and the top. It is, yeah. And, um, older boys someone once told me years ago that you get fewest for the older boys and so i generally try to mm. do one for that category do you think that's right i think that's right yes yes it is difficult to know what to get for the older boys really they always say try and put in a football but footballs are a really expensive and b really big yes, and they're they not are. really shoebox exactly because yes. they're not shoebox size so you've got to put a pump in yeah. and by then you can't really fit anything else in so there you go. My advice is if you are doing one online, do one for an older boy. You don't have to work out what to put in it because they'll decide for you or offer you some options that are suitable. As Ron said, the Christmas shoebox project really is an act of generosity and love. For most of us, it involves packing a shoebox. For Ron, it involves a little bit more than that, giving his warehouse and some time and, and resources to it. And for the volunteers who were there, what does it involve? Um, quite a lot of standing around in a drafty warehouse. Okay, so I'm just down here at the volunteers table. Uh, I'm standing next to Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi there. And a lady I don't know. Gaynor. Gaynor. And you're here uh, checking shoeboxes. You're taking some wrappings off things. You're finding a hidden envelope with the, the money in it. Oh, the door of the warehouse is just opening. That's that kind of weird noise in the background. I was sort of hoping he was going to offer me a chance to drive a forklift truck. Have, have you driven a forklift truck? No, but I have used the small hand one. Have that you? Great fun. Oh, that is pretty cool. And um, it is quite drafty standing here, isn't it? I know they've just <laughs> oh, opened they, they the big... They don't open that very often. <laughs> the big door, but you're sort of standing on a hard concrete floor. Uh, two pairs of socks and good thick insulated boots. And th does he work you for like 12 hours a day? I bet he's a real... Is he a real slave driver, that Ron? Uh, close, almost. <laughs> he would if he had the chance, but no, we, we escape at four o'clock. One thing I wondered about was what happens to the items which aren't suitable uh, to be sent in shoeboxes that the volunteers take out. But as Mike tells me, nothing gets wasted. Stuff that cannot go there, liquids and what have yes. you, chocolate, that gets sold. Oh, does it? Does uh, it just get eaten by the volunteers? No, not all of it. We, tr <laughs> we try. We try, but we, we can't get through enough. Um, yes, so, fair enough. So a lot of it is sold, and then that money is then used to buy fillers, which we can then... Okay. Oh, that's really helpful. So nothing gets wasted. No, no, no. Nothing does it? Gets I can wasted. see that. I had a great time at the warehouse. It was really lovely uh, to meet everyone there and see Christians putting their faith in, into action in such a practical way. I know uh, many churches around the country collect Christmas shoeboxes, just as ours does. And I hope that's given you a little bit of an insight into what happens next to those shoeboxes. Christmas is, of course, a great opportunity for churches to connect with the wider non-Christian society around us. And very often that happens through children, whether that's a school carol service or perhaps a Christmas Eve crib service or whatever it is. Christmas and children 
seem like a really natural way of talking about the gospel with people who perhaps don't hear it at any other time of the year. At our church, one of the things we like to do is give a Christmas present to everyone who comes to the toddler group. And the lady who runs the group puts those presents together really beautifully and wraps them all up and they get a, a little chocolate something. And this year they're all getting a hand knitted sheep. I know that because I knitted several of those sheep. And they also get a little book. And for the last few years, they've had one of the books written by Helen Buckley. She's written books uh, that are beautifully illustrated by her sister and really wonderfully written to engage with that preschool audience. I was able to catch up with Helen last week and talk to her about how she goes about writing those books and how you um, think about communicating to such a young audience. They started off as talks that I was doing at a starlight service. So every year on Christmas Eve, we have a starlight service, which is a half an hour service um, at four o'clock for families to come to. So it's a very, very short service and we have a real nativity. We have a real baby Jesus and kids come dressed up. A real baby up. Jesus real at baby your Jesus. church. Yeah. You heard yeah. it here first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, and um, we have this very, you know, we have the same songs every year, same carols every year, the same thing. So everyone knows what to expect. But we also have a little talk in that. So it's a very short talk that we do designed for the families that are going to be coming that aren't Christians, majority um, and lots of very young children. Because it's a very short service, we only have a very short time to do mm. a little talk. So it's a very short talk within that service. So then every year I had this challenge to make a very short, meaningful Christmas talk at that service. And the books came from that. Actually, all the Christmas books that I've done were talks that I gave at that service that, that were then slightly adapted. So if you know me at all and then read the stories you hear, it's, it's me talking to so all the people in my church family are like, oh, it's just, we can hear you saying it, Helen, because they heard me do the talk. That's and hilarious. That so I was going to ask you, in this year's book, it seems like the, the sort of main character is a little girl with red hair. Yeah. Is she you? <laughs> well, no, she's not. It's actually, so it's my sister that does the illustrations. Oh, so my okay. sister is um, They are beautiful illustrations yeah, that she does. She does really love, lovely yeah. um illustration so she um does a lot of work for 10 of those who publish them and yeah. she's the illustrator for them um i'm the only one in my family that's got red hair so it's a bit of a running joke um that i like to see people with red hair in things so actually she so lots of people have said is that you she said i asked her she said it's not me she said it's a boy it's not a girl is it <laughs> I haven't looked closely enough, but she does like to put red-headed people in, I think, for my benefit, because she knows. That's lovely. Because I have red hair. I like it. <laughs> yeah. That's lovely. So they're aimed at quite young children, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have given them away at our church the last couple of years to our toddler group. Yes, that's what we do as well. Actually. And they're sort of, they feel like they're books that are designed to be read aloud. So you mm. say that they've come from talks, and that mm. really makes sense, doesn't mm. it, that they sort of engage. What are some of the challenges of writing... Uh, or speaking or thinking about communicating to that very young age group, particularly about Christmas, I guess? Yeah, I think, well, communicating anything to that age group is, is a challenge because um, they are, it's very little. So if you're thinking of toddlers, it's very hard. It's very hard to keep their attention. So I guess things have to be short. So things like very short sentence structure. Um, I think also having... A very clear idea one clear idea so it's always a challenge I think when we say anything when we want to teach anything 
about Christianity that we want to say everything about Jesus all in one go. And I think that's the temptation also at Christmas because we want to say, we think this is a good chance for people to hear the whole gospel message. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we have to think that they don't have to know everything. And this this one little tiny book is clearly not going to explain the full um, weight and power of the gospel. It's just going to show a little something. Um, so I guess the challenge is to think, what is that little thing that I want them to see clearly throughout the whole of this talk or the whole of this book that they can go away and keep hold of and remember? And maybe also to um, help parents or other adults that are looking after children to kind of reinforce or to keep thinking about as they go on through the Christmas season or later on yeah I mean I think that's a really good challenge actually whatever group of people we're trying to communicate to is to remember you don't have to say everything Mm -hmm. it's okay to just say one thing yeah Yeah. Um, but particularly important obviously um, in these uh, books for very small ones when so each of your books as you say is kind of a story which relates to Christmas rather than necessarily a retelling of the nativity story where do you come up with those sort of ideas from? Is that something you, you're sort of thinking about throughout the year or at the yeah. last minute on Christmas Eve? <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes it feels a bit last minute. No, I'm, I love writing Christmas talks. It's actually one of my favourite things to do. So I generally, the beginning of December, I start thinking about Christmassy things. Although actually I've written my talk for the uh, Christmas Eve service already because I had an idea while on holiday in Lanzarote this summer. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's <laughs> where you'd expect to get all your Christmas <laughs> ideas, isn't it? So I was listening to a sermon um, in my quiet times and it was on one John. It happened to be on one John and the idea of, and the word becoming flesh. And as I was listening to that, I got an, an idea for a talk and I wrote it on a post-it note and stuck it in my diary so then at the beginning of December uh, this year I got that note back out again and thought yes that was what I wanted to do and I got the idea so I think there's yeah so I generally have one little thing Mm. that's maybe struck me about Christmas so I do I do pray at the beginning of December Mm. that I'll I will learn something new about Christmas because it is a familiar story isn't it I've heard it I've grown up in a Christian family. I've heard this story all my life. And I think, I know everything about Mm. Christmas. So Mm. it's a challenge and a prayer every year to think, well, what is the new thing that I want God to teach me about Christmas? And then there will generally be a little germ of an idea or something that someone else said, something someone said, or maybe even listening to a carol or I love the Sovereign Grace um, Christmas album so listen to um, their music and maybe just a little phrase and that just connects in my head and I think wow yeah that is, that is kind of a facet of Christmas that I've not really thought about before or something yeah something different a new way of Jesus. expressing yeah, it yeah, or, yeah yeah so it's often a phrase or an idea and then I'll just mull it over for a bit and then and then start thinking. So it it starts probably the beginning of December, I really start thinking, it was unusual this year while <laughs> I was in Lanzarote. <laughs> yes. That's an exception. <laughs> and that was just because it happened to be a kind of a Christmassy passage that yeah. I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, in my it's really time. interesting. So a long, long time ago, I used to be a maths teacher. And 
there were all sorts of reasons why that was a really bad job for me. But one of them is it's just really boring because there's only so many times you can teach Pythagoras rule and get excited yeah. about it, I think. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Times, it just yeah. kind of comes up and you're like, yeah. okay, I, you know, I've done this for it. And it is just the same. And actually that is one of the things that that is a danger in Christian yeah. ministry is we can just say, oh, you know, done this passage before, yeah. get the talk out, do it again. But actually to need to keep learning and, and keep seeing new things in God's word is really important. Yeah. Um, so this the, the talk that you're planning for this Christmas Eve, yeah. will that be next year's book? Is that how that normally works, if they want it? <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it does sometimes. So I don't know. Um, yes, yeah, sometimes the process is a bit slower than that. So I kind of, okay. I almost forget because of it. So it, Doing the illustration takes a very long time, so it's right. dependent a lot on Jenny's my sister's time yeah. and what she what she what other things she's on. got. Yeah, because um, she did the um, beautiful everyone a child should know that's yeah, just come out, yes, didn't she? Yeah, and that yeah. must have been so. That's t- that's been a massive project. Yeah, because it's got all the little cards as well yeah. as the book and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's huge. I know, and she's got three children, so oh, she's kind of doing gosh. that in between nap time and school <laughs> runs. So, <laughs> so her time is limited. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so it's a long process. It's a longer process. So I normally get asked, so Jonathan at 10 of those will probably ask me to send in a couple mm. of ideas and they'll kind of look at things. And I send generally my scripts yeah. from the talk and then they, and then they'll choose something that they may be like. Because I've, every year I end up writing probably two or three different Christmas talks for things. So I've always got a backlog. But I think the Starlight Service, <laughs> that Christmas Eve one, That's works the, best for this kind of toddler group. Yeah, because it's already yeah. really um, focused and, yeah. and narrowed down. Yeah. yeah. And so, Helen, as someone who works with uh, lots of children and families this time of year, one of the discussions that, that always seems to come up and certainly recently came up on um, the Jake Facebook group uh, that I moderate, what, what do you, what's your advice for Christian parents wondering what to tell their children about Father Christmas? Should, should, should they just you know, not worry too much and just go along with the flow? Or um, should they panic that their child might tell other children that it's not real? <laughs> do, you, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, not really. I mean, I think I'm pretty relaxed about it all. I grew up in a Christian family. We, I think my parents kind of sidestepped the issue slightly. and didn't, we hung out stockings and believed that Father Christmas came. Yeah. Um, I think when we asked outright, they told us the truth. I think maybe when we were little, though, it wasn't quite such a fraught thing as it seems to be now. I think it's a nice thing. I'm glad that it was part of my childhood Christmas experience. I didn't get confused myself between thinking, if if my parents have told me a lie about Father Christmas, then have they, is everything about Jesus a lie? I saw that they were different things. I think... From what I've seen, it's it's a lovely thing that children enjoy doing. I think if a child asks you the truth, you should tell them the truth, then you can tell them the truth that it's not mm. real. That Father Christmas isn't real. Sorry, Rez. Um, Father Christmas <laughs> isn't real, everyone. But it's a nice game or a nice yes. story that we can enjoy playing, and and I think it is worth also explaining to your child that this is something that other children might think. Mm. Um, is very important or special so let's not spoil the surprise mm. I think once I found out the truth I then blabbed to my younger siblings it's quite hard it, isn't it, it? Yeah. I mean it depends how old they are when they find yeah. out but if you've got sort of four or five year olds mm. very hard for mm. them to 
keep it quite, keep secrets yeah, like that isn't it, it? Is. so you've just got to be realistic yeah I think so and I think you know you get all sorts of I've got one niece that was very frightened at the thought of mm. a strange man coming into a house at night yeah so her parents just told said her. he isn't real but then actually now she quite likes playing the game and as all almost kind of Bought into, into it again. Yeah, bought into it again. Yeah, yeah. so enjoys it. So I think you can tell, I think you should tell the truth if you're asked, but I mm. think, I don't think it's, I personally yeah. don't think it's such a big deal. I had one friend who, um, she was the youngest child in her family, and when she found out, she was really upset, not mm. so much because of the Father Christmas thing, but she just felt like her whole family had been sort of almost making her, I think she would describe it as felt, feeling like she was the butt of the joke, mm. that they were all pretending this thing mm. that she didn't mm. know. And, yeah. and she found that really yeah. hard to yeah. deal with. So I do think it's worth being careful yeah. about how you do it, if yeah. you're going to do it, and yeah. to not do it in a way that's going to make your child feel hurt or upset yeah. in, in whatever way, yeah. as and when they find out. Yeah. Great. Thanks for talking to us. Oh, Happy Christmas. Fun. Happy Christmas. Next week's episode will be a Christmas-free zone, as I'll be talking to Lee Gatiss about some of the things he's been doing uh, over 2017, and we'll be looking ahead to some of what Church Society have got planned for 2018. I hope you'll join us for that. That will be our last episode of the year. We won't have one in two weeks' time because that is Christmas Day. I hope very much uh, that you'll have better things to do with your day than listen to the Church Society podcast. We will be back on New Year's Day, the 1st of January, when Amanda and I will be discussing Emma Scrivener's latest book, A New Day. If you've read the book, if you have thoughts or comments about it, please do let us know. You can tweet us at Church Society comment on our Facebook page, or you can always email me, ros at churchsociety.org. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the book, and also if you have any suggestions for future podcast episodes or feedback on uh, the podcasts that you've heard before. Thanks so much for listening, and do tune in again next week. <laughs>